Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. All right, so we are back. Faith and integrity. We watched the video, and Tim had a lot of good things to say. Uh, I want to review some of that. When we look at faith, what are we looking at? Uh, he quoted Hebrews 11.1, 1, and it says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. And this hope isn't wishful thinking. It's not, I hope it doesn't rain today. But it is confident expectation. I have hope in Jesus. I place my faith in Jesus, but I have not yet seen him. Uh, I hope in my salvation. I have faith that my salvation is real, but I have not yet fully realized my salvation. I still struggle with sin. Mark 1.15 uh, says this. If you guys want to turn there in the Bible, you can. It's right after Matthew and right before Luke. Mark 1.15 says this. Jesus says, The time has come. The kingdom is near. Repent and believe the good news. And this faith, Tim said, isn't general. Right? It's not, uh, yeah, I believe in God. But it is specific. And, and that is something that's very important. It is believing what God says about whatever situation I'm in. Right? So maybe a temptation comes to, uh, let's be ridiculous, steal something. Right? Do I believe that stealing this thing will give me greater value or help me be more secure? Or do I believe that I have value because God loves me? Do I believe that I am secure because he holds me? Those, those are the things we have to wrestle with in every, in every, every situation. So faith then isn't just this general I believe in God but a specific, I believe and can trust God in everything that he says. Uh, I may feel unloved, but I believe that God says nothing can separate you from my love. So to have faith is to believe God in all of these things, that he exists and that he rewards those who believe in him. So do we trust God? And how do we help our children grow in faith and to trust God? Uh, Logan and I were with a guy named Nate this morning. And I said, there, there's nothing better. We were actually talking about faith this morning. There's nothing better than to educate your child in faith than to say things like, I mean, how many of you have kids that are seven or younger? Like all, a lot of us, right? They trust you with anything, Right? I mean, the stuff they don't want to do. I don't want to go out in the rain, Daddy. It's okay. I'll cover you. We can go. You can trust me. So you can use those teachable moments to go, remember how you trusted me when we had to go to the car and it was raining and you didn't want to go, but, but you trusted me and it was fine? Like, that's the trust we can have in God. That no matter what, He's with us. So how do we help our children grow in this? Uh, first and foremost, remembering... As we said last week, the number one way kids spell love is T-I-M-E. But also, uh, there's, there's two things that we need to do. Uh, do you guys remember kindergarten? Yeah? Barely. What was, barely. Barely. For some of us, it was so old. Um, 
<laughs> Remember nap time. Peter's favorite subject was nap time. What was your favorite subject in kindergarten? Lunch, right? Excellent, excellent. Someone else mentioned something? Recess, right? Everyone's like, break time. Um, mine was show and tell, right? I loved being able to bring something in and show people what it was and then tell them all about it. And you guys are familiar. We've done a matrix like this a couple of times um, with grace and truth. You remember that we did that last week? And we'll use this because it's simple to communicate uh, what, what we're talking about. So what happens, faith, we're talking about faith. What happens when we, we never show our faith and we never talk about our faith? People shaking their heads, which means nothing happens, right? And I want to come over here real quick. What happens if you're telling everybody about your faith, but you never show them? And in fact, Tim says... Maybe you're not even landing in the area code of what you're telling them. And so if you're landing outside of what you're saying we should be doing, there's a lot of tell but not a lot of show. Sometimes this is sometimes what we get criticized and accused of is being hypocritical, right? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. Because that's what happens when you tell and you don't show. And, and there's, there's some of you may have heard this saying that, hey, you know, you don't have to tell them about Jesus. Just, just show them. Just, just show the love of God. And, and that's a nice sentiment. And there's this quote that is attributed to some famous man of faith that I don't know if he ever said it or not. But it goes something like this. Preach the gospel wherever you go. And when necessary, use words. And I would argue it is always necessary to use words because if you show but don't tell, it leaves people confused and wondering. You know, they say things like, man, that Peter, he's just a nice guy, you know, just a nice guy. Logan, (laughs) great kid. Right? Just good, a good kid. But if they don't know that I, I'm not, but Jesus is. And before I knew him, and before I started to walk with him and place my faith in him, I, I wasn't a good guy. Jesus makes a difference. And, and this is what happens when we show and tell. Right? We look like a disciple or, or what Tim would call a great kid. Oh, there's a T before that. A great kid, right? So we always want to show and tell. Um, and I want to invite Peter up to talk about this a little bit and just the rationale for action when we talk about showing and telling. Uh, when Scooty and I were talking about this, I thought that this matrix uh, is a really great way to discuss um, what happens within our families and then uh, give you a little bit of research uh, research indicates that children need to know why we do what we do, and they actually settle down when you open up and explain uh, the dots, if you will, the, the way that we move through our own behavior. So when you have a child who um, 
is struggling with something, let me just give you this example. Um, there, were, there were times that our kids would just lie. And um, we gave them opportunities to tell the truth. We didn't want to catch them lying to us again about lying. And so I just expected that my children would lie from time to time. Uh, they don't want to get in trouble. They're children. And so I just expected typical behavioral issues out of them. And when that occurred, what I really wanted them to know was telling the truth was better than lying. So when I caught them in a lie, I would bring them to me and I would just sit down and I would talk with them and say, now I want you to really think about this because I know that you are not telling me the whole truth. And I want to give you the opportunity to tell me the whole truth because I already know uh, more than what you think that I do. So I'm going to let you think about this, and in another minute or so, I'm going to come back, and I would like to have the whole truth. When, they would, when I would come back, sometimes they would tell me the truth, and sometimes they were absolutely sure that what they were telling me was the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Now, what I have come to learn, just on a side note, is the children don't remember things accurately when they're scared, um, and so I have a lot of grace for them, but I just will then sit down with them and I will go through what, um, what actually happened and say, this is what happened, isn't it? And I would wait for them to nod their heads yes. And then we would talk about what we needed to do as a result of them telling the truth. But then I would take it one step further and I would say, God never lies to us, which is why I'm having this conversation with you. God doesn't lie. I'm not going to lie to you. And you should not lie. Because when you lie, it hurts relationships. Because relationships are based on trust. And trust means that when you tell me something, I believe that you're telling me what I need to know and you're telling me the truth. And that's really, really important for you to be a friend, for you, for me to trust you so that I can give you privileges, and for you to know that I am trying to be the best parent that I can be. And so when you tie, Um, characteristics to God, when you tie them to relationships, when you help them to figure out why it is that when people lie to them, they get their feelings hurt, it's because it hurts relationships, your children become much better consumers of um, faith and society and relationships. And I just want to give a great big, you know, shout out on the show and tell, which is a great way to talk about that. Um, For us is I want to show you my faith that I am trustworthy, but I also want to tell you why I am trustworthy and why trustworthiness really works. And if and when I am not trustworthy or I haven't given you all the information, then I need to come back to you to say, oh, I forgot I needed to tell you this and I'm sorry. And I want you to know that I'm now apologizing to you. God doesn't need to apologize, but I need to apologize because I don't always get everything right. And I have found that when I've gone back to apologize to my children, They have always accepted it, and then they relax again because they know that I don't want to do something that harms them, and it just keeps me on my toes. So when you're looking at this, I do want to say when you're thinking about this next next week, are there um, rationales, are there telling that you need to do so that your children really internalize what it is that you're trying to talk to them about? Remember, they'll know it before they can do it, but they have to know it so they can do it. Excellent. Thank you so much, Peter. Um, So we're going to come back to faith 
towards the end of class, but let's talk about integrity for a moment. What is integrity? Integrity seems to be this, this word that's thrown around a lot, um, but let's define it a little bit. Integrity is who you are and what you do when no one is around and looking. If my motivation for doing good things is only because people are around, then um, that's no bueno. And that's why behavior modification doesn't work, right? Because if all I'm doing is telling my child, hey, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do, then they'll only do that when there are consequences if they don't. And so we end up raising a bunch of Eddie Haskells. That might be an old reference, but if you don't remember Eddie Haskell, look up Leave It to Beaver. He was the kid that was like, hi, Mrs. Cleaver, hi, Mr. Cleaver. But when mom and dad were gone, he was a knucklehead, right? So if we're only doing things that correct behavior in in our behavior modification, then we'll end up with Eddie Haskell's. But if we really, truly get into a child and, and build character into their heart, this is the core of who they are, then this, this is what they'll do. Why does a dog bark? Because it's a dog, right? Why do we love? Because we're Christian, right? And so that's why we're starting with faith. Because faith is the foundation for character. And our faith in Jesus is where this character comes from. Because in and of ourselves, we're not charactered people. But God, through the Spirit, gives us love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so as we talk about integrity, I want to look at this, this uh, subject that Tim referred to when he said, it's really interesting that in order for there to be freedom, there have to be confines. And, and I want to explore that a little bit. So let's look at Genesis 2.16. First book of the Bible, chapter 2, verse 16. Uh, these are actually the first words in the Bible recorded from God to man, which is fascinating to me. And, and Genesis 2.16, the first thing that God says to man that's recorded in the Bible is this. You are free. That excites me. That is pretty cool. The first thing God ever says is you are free. But then God defines it. He says, To eat from any tree of the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you'll surely die. See, freedom was never about doing whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, whyever we want, wherever we want, with whomever we want. Freedom was always about living within the parameters, these confines, if you will, that might be too strong a word, but these parameters, these boundaries that were set up for righteousness and holiness, for right relationship with God and to be set apart for his purpose. And so when we live within those boundaries, we have freedom because we're living in integrity, with integrity. Make sense? Excellent. So again, if this is something that we want to give to our children and and encourage our children with, then how do we do that? Uh, First and foremost, again, time. The more they see you, like Peter was talking about, being a person of integrity, doing what you say you're going to do, then then it's important. One of the the things that I was mindful of 
was not promising my kids time if I wasn't going to have time. But then I would be poor in always using this word maybe. Like, hey dad, can we do this? Oh, maybe. But then they started to think that maybe meant no. And that's no good. So be intentional to sacrifice what you're doing in order to spend time with them. And there are times for sure when you can't and when you need to spend time elsewhere um, because of the demands of whatever that is. But if at all possible, sacrifice that time to spend with them. And then they will see that when dad says he's going to do something, when mom says she's going to do something, that she's going to do it. Whenever you tell your child that you're going to do something, really, really try to fulfill that. Because again, showing and telling is really important. So another question we have is, how does this display uh, God's image in our life? And I just want to invite Peter up real quick to talk about the Imago Dei, the image of God, and uh, how God does this. We are created um, in the image of God, and in, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, God says, let us make man in our image. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 29... Uh, we are told that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And so God has a design for each one of us that he puts his power behind, that he allows for us to experience his character, his integrity, and his way of doing things. And you and I get to model that for our children. We get to talk about it and then take it into our home. A professor of mine a number of years ago told me that family is the laboratory of life. And I would also tell you then that family becomes a laboratory of faith where we get to experiment and see how things actually work. And so one of the things that I want to suggest to you when you're looking at the image of God growing within us is that you this week would take time out for each of your children and sit down with them and pray about something that they need help with or something that they are concerned about on their level. If they're struggling in math, then every day pray with them that they would begin to understand math because our children rely on our connection with God until they have their own connection with God. And what you're doing is you're showing them that God is going to show up for them. Uh, when I do this with college students, I just boldly tell them that their grade will go up one whole grade if they will pray before every assignment and every test and every homework. Because God already knows the material that they're going to study. So it's like having a cheat sheet. And I don't know how it works, but he makes us competent in whatever he calls us to do. And as a result of that, we are teaching our children that we don't have to panic. We don't have to feel stupid. We don't have to feel dumb because there are certain kinds of challenges that I will face that I cannot meet on my own. God brings us to the end of ourselves to show us that he is there for us. And that may be a subject matter for your children. That may be a social situation for your kids. That may be some kind of performance for them that they're just going to have to work harder at. But in the middle of all of that is this image of God, this loving, caring, nurturing, disciplined, persevering image. And you and I get to tap into that for our children. 
And so I would just sit down with each of our children and pray that God would help them as I heard what they were concerned about. And then I would debrief them and talk with them about it. Sometimes things went better than others, but we would talk about how they felt more confident knowing that we're asking God to help us so that they could be the right kind of children in that situation. They could be more calm. They could be more focused. They could um, feel like they were doing their part, waiting for God to come alongside and help them. And what we began to have in our family were stories coming home from school and stories coming home from social events about how our children felt more confident and how they felt like they were being more successful. And we actually then would talk about how God is helping them to grow and mature to be the kind of people that he designed them to be in his image. So as we um, talk about faith and integrity, uh, Peter just wanted to share a story of faith and how he was able to encourage his child with faith. Um, our, our daughter, Audrey, um, was very, very smart. And uh, in using this same kind of analogy, um, we, we did this throughout childhood, but this is probably the most dramatic one. She was graduating from Webb City High School as the valedictorian, and um, she was trying to get a free ride scholarship to Missouri Southern. And she was not able to get her ACT score high enough to be accepted for that scholarship. She could only get a 29. She took the ACT probably eight times. Uh, she had started in eighth grade taking it, and she was in the gifted program, and she just kept bumping into a ceiling of 29, 29, 29. She needed at least a 31 to get into the program. And I remember that she could only take the ACT two more times before she was out of luck. And she sat on the edge of her bed, and she's more like me, so she's less emotionally expressive, but she feels deeply, and she just started crying. And she said, what good is being smart if I can't even get a scholarship? And I thought, oh my goodness, the pressure on you. And then she said, I I won't be able to go to college, you can't afford college, you're just, you know, you're a couple of teachers, and on and on and on. She awfulized, and it was really an amazing experience. And I just sat next to her and I said, well, Audrey, here's what I want you to know. First and foremost, you will go to college even if we have to pay for it, and it'll be okay. We'll figure that out. That's not a problem. I said, but secondly, God is showing you that you need him because really smart people sometimes feel like they don't need God. And so what he's done is he's put a limitation on you, and you cannot go beyond um, this, um, this score without his help. So I know you're really smart. I know that you can do better, um, but what I want you to do is from this point on, I would like for you to just relax, and I want for us to pray that God will help you to live up to your potential and that the next score that you get will be what you are capable of doing with his help. And then I don't want you to worry about it. And if you still don't get it, then I will pay for you to go to ACT school again and learn all the little tricks and trades, and then maybe, you know, we'll do the same thing. I said, but I'm pretty sure that after we do this, God will show up. And uh, it was like five weeks away, and I said, I just want you to play. I want you to goof off. Uh, the night before the ACT, we're going we're gonna to rest. We're going to eat well. We're going to get up in the morning, have breakfast, and send you off. Um, and that's what we did. That morning, I prayed with her. She went off. Um, in three weeks, she got her score, and she got a 33 which is unheard of to go up that much. And I said, Audrey, you need to remember that God is sending you somewhere where he needs to be a part of your life or you won't make it. 
I mean, Audrey travels the world as a single person, goes into Muslim countries. Uh, she's been mugged twice. Um, she knows Taekwondo. She works in slums. She, she just does all kinds of amazing things, and she has a tremendous amount of confidence. And we have just said, God is always with you. Doesn't mean you're not going to have trouble, but you need to remember that really smart, really capable people sometimes feel like they don't need God at all. And what God has shown you is he's going to bring you to the end of yourself and then he's going to take you all the way where you need to go. We raised our children with that and helped them to see the possibilities and they get scared. And then I come alongside of them and say, you can do this. We're just going to pray about it and we're going to ask God to enter into your world to create the path for you that you cannot do on your own. And I can tell you that every time we have done that, uh, that path has emerged. And our children have a growing faith as a result of that. Excellent, excellent. So um, as we're talking about faith and integrity, I just wanted to share a story of integrity uh, with my son, Grayson. And so as we handed out those handouts, uh, Peter, some practical ways in which we can do this. And Peter just talked about one, just praying with your children uh, about something specific is really important to help uh, concretize and solidify their faith. Uh, For Grayson, uh, we had, when he was in first grade, every one of the kids played Beyblades. And they're like these battle tops, right? You get this little cord and you rip it. And, and then they battle and they hit each other. And then whichever one's spinning the longest wins, right? And so it was a huge thing. All the kids were into it. We actually had a birthday party for Grayson that year where we set up a Beyblade tournament. And, and all the kids brought their Beyblades. And if any didn't have any, we would, we would have uh, some for them. And we had these arenas where they could play. It was, it was super fun. It was a, a totally memorable experience and incredible. Well, they would play every day at recess and lunch and all the time. And, and, uh, and one day I noticed that Grayson had a Beyblade that I didn't recognize. So I thought he might have traded with a friend or, or something like that. And I asked him about it and he got sheepish. And I said, so what, what's going on? And he, and he, go, he looks, he, he goes, well, I took it from Brock. And I said, what do you mean you took it from Brock? Did you guys trade? Are you borrowing it? No, I, I took it. Okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We don't steal. We talked about stealing, dishonoring God, and, and all of those things. And, and I said, so here's what we're going to do. You're going to give it back to Brock. You're going to tell him what you did. You're going to apologize. Then you're going to tell his mom. Then you're going to tell your teacher. And then you're going to tell the head of school. And so he was like, really afraid. And so that morning, uh, the next morning, we, we went into the library a little bit beforehand. And I said, okay, let's just pray about this. Let's tell God we're sorry. And that uh, we're going to um, receive his forgiveness. And because we've received his forgiveness, these are the things we're going to do. So he went in and, and he told Brock, and, and he, uh, he was like, oh, it's okay, and, you know, all that stuff, and they shook hands, and then, then he went to Brock's mom, who was a teacher there, and told, told her, and, and it was really interesting, because she wanted to make excuses. Oh, he's just in first grade, and, and all those things, and, and we just, you know, affirmed the fact that he knows right from wrong, and this was a wrong thing, and, and he's sorry he did this, and, and, uh, and then went to his teacher, and 
she did the same thing. Oh, it's okay. He's just in first grade. And it was like, no, you know. And so we affirmed again. And then we went to the head of school. And the head of school was fantastic. I mean, uh, she did a great job with just letting him know that that's against the school's honor code and, and so on and so forth. But that she appreciated him coming to her. And, and so, but, but Grayson was one of those kids where you could, like, spank him. And he'd be like, that's all you got? You know, you could send him into his room and he'd be like, this is my palace. You could take things away and he'd be like, I didn't want that anyway. And so we never knew how to discipline him. But that, that whole ordeal didn't seem to affect him much. But when I told him that he wasn't going to be able to play Beyblades for a week and that we talked to his teacher right there that he's not allowed to do this, he broke. And so... Um, but it was good to, through that week, be able to do other things. Not just discipline him and say, you can't do this, and not replace it with something else, something better. Um, so we were able to do that. So Peter and I just wanted to talk about some practical ways that we can uh, see our children through these things. Help them to establish faith. And so I just want to read through some of those things and, and leave you with this encouragement. As you read through these practical ways in which you can instill faith into your children and and integrity into your children, think about which one really stands out to you out of these. So with faith, you can do a Bible study at dinner or uh, just read the Bible out in the open where they can see you. Uh, Have them pray at meals and bedtime. Tell them your testimony. We did a little bit of that today, and I know it was super quick, but maybe you want to elaborate on that. I'm sure there's a lot more of the story that we weren't able to get to today. What if you have them tell you their testimony? What has their journey in the Lord been like so far? Um, Telling about a time that you've shared your testimony or have them share a time when they've shared their testimony. Uh, Reminisce about answered prayers. Remember when we prayed for this and remember what God did. Uh, Pray for someone you know who is sick or doesn't know the Lord. Uh, We mentioned teachable moments and then reminding them who they are as they head off to school. This is who we are, that we love people, that we care for people, that we're kind and polite and nice because Jesus loves and cares for people and is kind and polite and nice. Um, Integrity. Uh, Peter mentioned apologizing when he'd wronged his children. I think that's an incredible thing. As we talk about repentance in our faith, Uh, That is the one thing that we get to model that Jesus never got to model. He talked about it, but since he never sinned, he never got to model it. But we do. We get to model that. Uh, Send them into the store with more money than they need to make the purchase and see if they come back to you with change. Uh, Dads, never let your children be rude, unloving, or disrespectful to their mom. Remember when Grayson was was probably 10-ish? few years ago, he got a little lippy with his mom, and I got right in his face. And I said, are you talking to my wife like that? And he just buckled. But sometimes you need to, you know, put the fear of God into him to let him know, like, these are things we do, and these are things we do not do. Um, give them responsibility to be done without supervision, and then see how they did, did it, and talk to them about it, you know? Load the dishes, and then they're just half done and you know they're caked on with food like did you do a good job or not you know um and then again teachable moments reminding them who we are as we head off to school i'm gonna pray we're definitely past time and uh i just want to encourage you 
pick one or two of these items throughout the week, practice them, and uh, next week we can share about that. Father, thank you again that you are a God who gives us faith, and we place all of our faith in you. Uh, Lord, help us to grow in your character and competency so that they li- we live lives that are righteous and holy and that display integrity because we love you and we want others to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.